Welcome to Puro Politics, the political podcast of the San Antonio Express News. My name is Gilbert Garcia, Metro columnist, and I'm joined by business editor and columnist Greg Jefferson. Investigative reporter Brian Chasnoff. Assistant City Editor Julie Silva. This is our first podcast in two weeks, and uh, there's been a lot of news uh, over the past few days. On the international stage, we've seen the Taliban uh, reclaim Afghanistan in the wake of uh, the U.S. Um, withdrawal there. Um, in in Texas, I mean, the, I think the big news has been um, that uh, we've seen a rebellion um, w- among school districts, city and county governments against an executive order from Governor Greg Abbott, which not only uh, uh, did, did not uh, uh, require masks uh, in the state, but basically banned uh, local communities from, from uh, issuing mask mandates. We've seen uh, school districts uh, in, in their you know, major cities. We've seen... Uh, say that they're just going to defy this order, uh, what our colleague Kerry Clack has called um, civil dis- an act of civil disobedience. Um, we've seen Harris County, Dallas County, uh, City of San Antonio all challenge this legally. And it's this is uh, the legal situation is changing. Uh, probably by the time you hear this, that it will have changed again on Sunday. The Texas Supreme Court basically uh, backed up Abbott on this. But this is this is going to be an ongoing thing. Um, but I you know, the, the, we're, a lot of kids in Texas are going back to school today. Kids under 12 cannot get vaccinated. Um, and so there's a lot of concern out there about the ramifications. If you have sending kids to school, you do not have, uh, allow school districts to have mask mandates. Um, Julie, I'm just curious what you make of this whole situation. I mean, I think there, it's a really tense time for a lot of parents uh, in the state right now. Well, it's confusing. Um, you get, you're getting different directions from local government versus the state. You're getting one email one day that says, you know, the school, you, you know, your school district is going to require masks. You're getting another email the next day saying, nope, just kidding. Exactly. Uh, we're going the other way. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I don't have children, but if I, if I'm a parent right now, I'm very confused. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, th- I, that's right. I mean, you know, I, my, I have a 16 year old daughter. She's vaccinated. Um, she goes to high school in, in uh, Northeast district. And, um, you know, they're, I think, I think the districts are, are struggling with some, just some school districts are saying, we're just, we're just going to go ahead and require masks regardless of what the governor is saying. And, and others like, uh, yeah. like NEISD is, I think they're encouraging people to, to wear them, but, but not requiring it. I just did a kind of a, a very quick head count as I was dropping my daughter off at school today and just kind of looking at the, the first kids that I saw. And I think 12 out of the 14 that I saw were wearing masks, which was encouraging to me. But, you know, it, it's just it's a really difficult situation. You know, Brian, I know you got you got kids in school. Like, what do you make of this whole situation? Right. Um, I mean, my kids are luckily old enough to have been vaccinated at this right. point. But I mean, I think it's sort of crystallized in the conflicting directives that uh, are, have came out just last night. Uh, you've got the city of San Antonio saying their mask mandate is still in effect. Yeah. Uh, but uh, despite the fact that the Texas Supreme court granted a stay uh, and uh, uh, you know, effectively uh, quashed uh, the, the city's <laughs> mask mandate. So yeah. there's, you know, like Julie said, it's incredibly confusing. And, and um, uh, I mean, some clarity on that should come later today, right? Because there, there's a hearing actually going on right now. 
but how much clearing clarity is there going to be? You know, there's uh, once this hearing, however it goes, it can still be appealed to the Supreme Court. Right. So it's not going to end today. That's that. That's that's true, right? It's, I mean, it, it's it's <laughs> it, it just feels like at this stage in the pandemic, uh, we're going day to day, right? Exactly. Yeah. And just to be clear. Governor Greg Abbott is the cause of all of this chaos, and he's doing it for purely political reasons. I mean, there's no question about that. Uh, But he's, you know, he's created a mess with this, uh, you know, all of this uncertainty swirling. It's it's really disastrous as, you know, the Delta variant, you know, continues spiking. Well, you know, the, the thing about this is that uh, if you look back at the history of, of Abbott's response to COVID-19 early on, um, in the in the spring of, of 2020, he was basically letting local communities do what they wanted, and many you had many local officials like uh, Mayor Nuremberg and and uh, County Judge Nelson Wolfs, you know, encouraging him to take statewide action um, as far as requiring social distancing and so on to to you know provide some real protection for the communities of, of the, the state. And he held off and said, no, local communities, everybody's different. You, you all do what you have to do. I think we would all probably welcome that now compared to what he's doing, which is he's basically telling local communities, no, you you have no authority over this. But eventually he came around last summer into, or summer 2020 and instituted a statewide mask mandate, and which was in place for eight months. He's now saying the time for all that has passed. Now, it, it, has the time passed because we're doing so much better or has the time passed because well, he just no longer yeah, wants mean, to deal with it? And that's that's really the, the I think the, the question. That's what you're getting to, Greg. Yeah. And he, it's just I mean, it's not only that he doesn't want to deal with it. It's that, you know, like I said, this is, you know, this is electoral politics at play. He's looking ahead to the Republican primary in 2022. He's afraid he's going to have, you know, he's going to come under fire from, you know, the hard right. And that's what this is all about. I mean, there's no, you know, to my thinking that like this couldn't be any clearer. I mean, when he, you know, when he imposed the new executive order, basically outlawing, you know, public universities, school districts and municipalities from, you know, imposing mask mandates, it was May 18th. Things looked great, you know, yeah, May yeah. 18th compared to now. I mean, you know, this was before uh, the Delta variant really took hold. Uh, but, you know, any 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 thought that he would, you know, in light of, you know, the hospitalization numbers and the climbing infection rate, any thought that he would revisit that decision is gone now, clearly. I mean, you know, he's, yeah. he's not only uh, reconsidering, he's fighting efforts to do the right thing in Dallas County and Bear County and the city of San Antonio. He's, he's in court trying to stop that. It's kind of insane that the, you know, Bear County had, didn't have emergency services for 26 minutes right. uh, last week. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. And, and, and local officials have, they have no recourse. They have no way of, of trying to fix that and trying mm-hmm. to get the, the number of, of infections down. It's, it's kind of, seems counterproductive. Kind of nuts is how yeah. you know, yeah. and we're, we're yeah. we have uh, around the state we have roughly about ninety percent of ICU beds filled. I mean, in some uh, communities, they're just they're scrambling to try to, to provide enough beds for for uh, you know. I've 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 seen people 
make the case on social media and, 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 and it's kind of like dark humor, but it's the, the idea that you don't want anything to happen to you now. You don't want to like accidentally cut yourself in, you know, when you're in the kitchen or, or get into a car accident or anything, because the, in, in many places, uh, certainly in the state, there just aren't enough hospital beds you know, for, for people. And, uh, because of this, this explosion with the Delta variant, um, one of the things that has been frustrating, of course, is, has been just the, um, you know, just the reluctance among some people to, to get, um, vaccinated. The numbers have gone up somewhat in, in over the past couple of weeks, but I think if, if we had been able to get the, overcome some of the, um, demagoguery uh, that encouraged people to, to question the vaccine, uh, we would have been much better prepared to handle the, the, the Delta variant over the past few months. Julie, you, we were talking before we went on and, uh, you know, about a, a, a tweet you posted, uh, I think in the last couple of weeks about your grandmother and her reluctance to, to get vaccinated. Could you talk a little bit about that? Uh, sure. I had actually, uh, put off asking my grandmother about this because I knew the answer. Uh, but yeah, she is not vaccinated. And she gave me the following reasons for why she is not vaccinated. She said, it's just like the flu. She said, the the government's just trying to scare everyone. And she mm-hmm. said, they're making so much money, there will be a new virus every six months. <laughs> These did, are the reasons. <laughs> did, did, she tell, did she tell you why the government is trying to scare everybody? I, I think That's it's just... Like, a, I'm, I'm really curious. Like... I honestly think it's just a general, you know how the, 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 they, the Royal, they, it's uh, always, they are trying to do this. They yeah. are trying to, it's just this general conspiracy. You know, while we're on the topic of Abbott, um, it, did, did y'all notice that he always appended this phrase to his, uh, tweets about the vaccine from the very beginning saying he, he would always say it's, it's a, it's a choice, right? Like he, he would make it very clear that mm-hmm. you're not required to get, to get the vaccine, which, you know, is true, but, but why would he, why would he frame it that way? Um, instead of, instead of, uh, alternatively, you know, emphasizing the efficacy of the vaccine and how important it is to, to save lives. I mean, I, I mean, that kind of, that kind of language might've contributed to the hesitancy. And he was one of the yeah. first to get vaccinated. He jumped the line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a, so there's a certain your grandmother Go ahead, Greg. Oh, I was just, I was curious where your grandmother lives. Just like what region? North Texas. Oh, okay. Right on the Oklahoma border. Ah, got it. Now, I, I was just going to say that, that Abbott has played, you know, the, a, a game that we've seen with with uh, many Republican politicians, uh, Ted Cruz and some others, who they don't want to go so far as to discourage people to openly discourage people from getting vaccinated. Uh, they don't. They, they'll say things like, "Well, I believe in vaccines. I believe in the principle behind vaccines," but then very quickly they pivot to people should have personal choice. No one should force them. It's a private thing. Uh, you're, it's your. It's private information, whether you decide to get vaccinated or not, which I really push back against because I think if you're in a workplace and uh, you haven't been vaccinated, I I think you kind of owe it to people around you to let them know so they can respond accordingly. But this idea that it's, it's private, mm-hmm. it's personal information um, that's so sensitive. Um, it, this is one of the things that, that Abbott and others push. And they, and he, so he's kind of, uh, you know, in the way that he often does, he's, he, he wants, he is, I think for most of this pandemic has wanted to uh, uh, appear as though he's, he's being responsible, but meanwhile, he's, you know, he's taking these actions and, and using language, I think, uh, has sort of, 
um, undermine that. Uh, I wanted to, to mention too, like the, cause this was really remarkable, uh, a quote, uh, last week from the, the new, uh, chairman of the Texas Republican party, Matt Rinaldi, who, who is a former, uh, s- state representative. You all might've seen this. And, uh, his, his tweet was masking children increases the spread of COVID in schools, a disease that poses near zero risk to their age group. So, um, yeah, I guess I guess we can say Abbott hasn't gone that far uh, to, to right. suggest that masking, masking is, increases. Yeah, increases. I mean, yes. It's true. Like not not every word that comes out of his mouth is a lie. Like like that guy. Like, <laughs> a lot of them are. Yeah. <laughs> a good deal of what comes out of his mouth is just not true. But do do you all feel that we're just kind of in this that uh, you know that this is kind of a something that we're just going to have to learn to live with on an indefinite basis, uh, given the, the rise of the Delta variant and the fact that other variants are, are, you know, are uh, likely to, to emerge. I mean, is this just a a situation where, I I mean, I, I, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the conventional wisdom is at this point and, and the caveat to me saying this is that there's a lot of unknowns to this and uh, you know, conventional wisdom changes week to week almost at this point. But I've read a lot uh, that uh, most people are, are going to come into contact with the virus at some point um, just because of its ubiquity and its pervasiveness at this stage. And uh, you know, you want to, you want to be vaccinated when you do. Yeah. So, well, I mean, this isn't the first, you know, major virus to, you know, infect the population. It's it's going right. to be around for a while because we have no real leadership to actually, you know, encourage people to get vaccinated, actually do the things that, that we need to do in order to kind of stomp it down. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, it, you know, it's like those things like polio, like, you know. That's right. This isn't yeah. a new idea. I mean, I think I think the idea is that it's it's going to become endemic. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, over a period of time, uh, the the severity of of the disease it causes will will decrease. But yeah, I mean, just the idea, like you know, it's alarming for a lot of reasons. Just the prospect that you'll have uh, you know this virus with us for you know years to come. Uh, what makes it even worse is the idea that you'll you might continue to have political leadership in the state that not only you know does almost nothing to contain it, but actively fights cities on the effort to you know impose something as simple as a mask. I mean, with with that kind of you know with that kind of recklessness. I mean, you have to think that at some point, uh, you know, like major employers who are considering Texas, that's going to factor into their thinking. <laughs> it's like, okay, sure. so the next time, you know, we have a pandemic that gets really bad. Do we want to be in a state where the governor is fighting the cities over this very simple mask mandate? I mean, like, I, I have to think that would be that would be a big deal. That would have to be something an employer would take into consideration when, you know, thinking about a move to Texas. Yeah. And, and, uh, I would encourage anybody who's listening to, to read Greg's uh, column from last week, welcome to the pariah state of Texas, which addresses this issue. The fact that, you know, we, we learned through the census that we, we have 4 million people that, that came to the state over the past 10 years, but, uh, going forward, I mean, how many people are really, uh, are people going to, uh, reevaluate? Are they going to think twice about moving to a state that is, that, has this kind of level of dysfunction and that has a governor who's basically attacking the, the big cities of this state. Um, 
So I, I wanted to talk a little bit about the, uh, the a story which we've we've dealt with a, a lot this summer, which has been the uh, the restrictive uh, legislation uh, proposed by Republicans in the, in the state legislature, uh, which would you know restrict uh, voting access, uh, which Democrats would call a voter suppression bill, and Republicans have have talked about as an election integrity uh, bill. And uh, we are still at a point where uh, Democrats are uh, breaking quorum in the in the House. Uh, they broke quorum for the entirety of the first special session, and we're now early in the, into the spe- second special session. Uh, the House is closer to reaching a quorum, and and it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that. Last week, we saw in in the state Senate, uh, and I, I'd had people kind of asking me like, when is someone in the Senate going to take? take action here because it's kind of all fallen on the, on the house Democrats. Um, and we saw state Senator, uh, Carol Alvarado from Houston, uh, do a 15 hour filibuster against the, the Republican bill. Um, ultimately after the filibuster ended, it passed. And, uh, as you know, it's, it seems likely to do in the house. I mean, Greg, I'm just curious. We've, we've talked about this before, but the, what do you see mm-hmm. as, the end game for, for uh, Democrats in the legislature and how are they going to, what's going to be the ultimate result of, of well, <laughs> certainly a lot of, we'll, lot of we'll sacrifice, they, a lot uh, of effort. And- yeah. And I mean, look, I, it, it will depend on how the uh, roundup of democratic lawmakers plays out over the next few days uh, or weeks. So, I mean, we know that, you know, the, the, the governor now basically has, you know, authority to do civil arrests of um, lawmakers to bring them back to Austin. Uh, it's and this is playing out in a very kind of slow motion way. I think it's weird for everybody involved. I mean, I would hate to be, you know, I would hate to be an officer of the court, like going out and, and trying to pick up <laughs> yeah. lawmakers. Uh, but yeah, I mean, absent that, like assuming that for whatever reason, doesn't doesn't work out quite as expected and really nothing has this year. Uh, I would expect this, you know, like if there's another session, there's going to be another walkout. This is going to go on indefinitely. Um, and I'll, I'll be surprised if, if Democratic lawmakers... I mean, look, they've got... Um, this is their... This is their hill. I mean, this is... Mm-hmm. This is... Uh, you know, this is what they must defend above, you know, basically everything else. I just, I'm, I don't think it's, I just have a hard time seeing them caving anytime soon. I would expect, you know, you know, if, if there's another session, there's going to be another walkout. This is, this is not over. I don't think. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing is that, I mean, they, they knew that, you know, you can't, um, break quorum forever. And, um, ultimately the numbers were not in their favor. And this legislation was mm-hmm. almost certainly going to pass at some point. I mean, part of what they were doing is certainly yeah. to yeah, the fact that they went to Washington DC was because they wanted to, mm-hmm. um, reach out to Democrats in Congress to try to, to get federal legislation passed, um, which would, which, which would have, you know, negate whatever uh, the Republicans were doing in Texas. Um, that seems unlikely to happen with the, the filibuster situation in the U.S. Senate. So, I mean, I guess the, the question is, and Julie, I was curious what you think about this, is it is uh, certainly there was, you know, a, a lot of this was about symbolism. A lot of this is about making a statement which can carry over into the 2022 election. Um, 
you know, the, I think there's probably been a lot of praise and probably some criticism for, for Democrats and the, how they've handled things um, during this quorum break. Ultimately, do you think that it, if when they ultimately uh, decide that they, they can no longer break quorum and this legislation passes, do, do you think that Democrats will have derived some energy that can, can help them in 2022? Or, or do you think that that's not going to be the case? I mean, I think maybe uh, they've been, I mean, I think Democrats have been take, making small strides, very tiny strides um, with kind of each thing that they've been doing over the past few years. But uh, to, I will tell you one thing that I have, have found through this whole COVID um, era is is the the right is very strong in Texas. <laughs> so good luck to, to the Democrats who are trying to flip it. <laughs> yeah. So Gillard, do you, I mean, it sounds like you think that you know, like, when do you think, when do you think the Democrats will have had enough? Like, when do you think, I mean, is it, is it possible at all to tell or, or speculate? At this point? I, th- I think it's, well, I think it's, you know, they've kind of been trickling in. They're up to, you know, I think we're now at 95 yeah. uh, last, mm-hmm. uh, last I checked and I, 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 there may be more and I may have missed that, but uh, there were 95 wow. uh, representatives present. They need to get to a hundred and you started to seal some division among the, the the quorum breakers, I mean, they've there's been some there's a little bit of sniping at each other because a few came back last week. Um, you know, I, my memory of the uh, Texas Senate uh, quorum break in 2003, when when uh, Democrats were opposing what was uh, basically a second round of redistricting in you know two years after the the first one. Um, my memory is that you know one one person. Uh, in the Senate, just they were in New Mexico. One person said, I, "That's it. I've had enough," and then the whole thing collapsed. And it's you know, it's mm-hmm. we we could be re- getting close to that point um, because mm-hmm. you know, again, you're just you you get to you get to a situation where you're going to go into a third special session. I mean, people are, are away from their families, they're away from their jobs. Um, you just, I think, that just the the sort of personal. Uh, frustrations and maybe even interpersonal you know, resentment start mm-hmm. to start to creep into the picture a little bit, you know? Um, yeah, I guess if I were a spouse, I'd be pretty ticked off. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. uh, so it's, uh, and you know, we had the story a couple of weeks ago about a couple of members, uh, allegedly taking a, uh, a vacation in Portugal during the quorum break. And, uh, the kind of sounds like they want mm-hmm. to kind of keep that quiet, but the, that the word got out about that. So it's, what I'm wondering is, is just, will this be something that will, will, will energize Democrats as we go into 2022? Um, you know, um, it, it's just going to be a really interesting election cycle. I mean, uh, Josh Brodesky, who was our editorial page editor, made, made the case recently that until just the last couple of weeks, he didn't really think Greg Abbott was vulnerable at all. And now he's starting to question that. And he suggested Joe Strauss, the, the former Speaker of the House from San Antonio, running as an independent, you know, and uh, uh, Kerry Clack has, has suggested that, you know, Beto O'Rourke uh, should run and you know, as a, as a Democrat, and it's really important that he run. And I, I think there's actually a really a pretty good chance that he's going to run. But the question is, will all this activity that we're seeing now surrounding COVID, surrounding the election legislation, is that going to energize Democrats or, uh, or is it going to, you know, end, end up energizing Republicans more? I mean, I don't, I don't know the answer to that, but to me, it feels like another failure on the, on the part of the Democrats. Yeah. I, it's just another, it's, it's an, it's another example of, of, 
you know, the fact that Texas is not going to flip very easily. Yeah, I think I think so. And, you know, there's there's a, a, a belief to I mean, we're going to see redistricting is probably not going to work too well for Democrats during the cycle. Um, and also, I mean, there's there tends to be a, a thought that this is going to be uh, the, the first you know midterm f- uh, for Joe Biden is probably going to be beneficial to the opposition party, as often happens. Um, before we wrap things up, Greg, I wanted to, to kind of get back to the the issue of the, the census and what we've learned. Um San Antonio con- continues to see a lot of growth. We saw, I th- think we saw 107,000 people coming to San Antonio over the past decade, according to the census. Um, but the, we, the, the numbers for Bear County were close to 300,000. And, and generally, San Antonio has been, uh, you know, the, the dominant part of the, the Bear County population is, has been in San Antonio. This, in this past decade, it looked like, well, we saw about 8% growth in San Antonio. It was, it was like doubled that essentially in Bear County. Um, what do you make of that? The fact that, that people, that so many people are coming to areas outside. Yeah. I mean, I think there are a lot of, yeah. I mean, I think there are a lot of factors at play and I think it's really kind of difficult to pin down any one of them and say, okay, this is the reason. But I mean, one is, you know, uh, land of land and housing availability. It's, you know, the housing markets on the fringes of the, of the county, they're a little looser than they are the closer you get to downtown San Antonio. Uh, you know, it, don't don't get me wrong. I mean, this is uh, this is still a very tight housing market, no matter where you are in Bear County. But as a relative matter, matter, you know, if you're looking, you know, if you're looking in, you know, uh, southeastern Bear County for a house or an apartment. And you're also looking in downtown San Antonio, the, the difference is going to be pretty stark cost wise. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, there's also the fact that, you know, you, you have a lot of unincorporated uh, territory in the county, in Bear County. So it's not part of San Antonio. It's not part of any municipality. So you're not paying local, you know, yeah. city property taxes. Yeah. Uh, that and, you know, the, the employment base in, in Bear County is kind of spread all over the place. I mean, we've got, you know, you've got major manufacturers on the south side in Navistar and Toyota. You've got, mm-hmm. you know, you've got Holdcat, <clears throat> pardon me, in in Seguin, and you know, you actually have you actually have a lot of uh, manufacturing operations that have opened in Seguin. You know, over the last decade, you've got a lot going on around Universal City. You know, Converse. Uh, so, I mean, it's employers are spread around and I think the workforce is spread around, but I think, you know, like I said, it's, it's probably simpler, you know, less expensive sure. to find housing, you know, kind of away from, you know, the farther away you get from San Antonio. Yeah. I actually wonder if, if Bear County's kind of uh, benefiting from the boom that's kind of happening, you know, down Interstate 35 between, mm-hmm. you know, Hayes that's County right. grew by 53%, yeah. Yeah. Um, Comal County, uh, all of you. All of the area is just booming right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And in fact, I mean, if you look at, um, you know, I think that's true. Um, I think specifically this is not, you know, northern Bear County, but it's close. I mean, if you look at the growth that New Braunfels has seen, and it's been tremendous over the last decade, this is in Comal County, just to the north. Uh, I think, you know, I think a lot of that is driven by uh, people who work in Austin or in the Austin area, but they cannot afford or don't want to pay the price uh, they would have to, to get a house in Austin. Uh, 
So, you know, they, they come to New Braunfels and I think it's possible that, yeah, maybe they're coming to, you know, Northeastern Bear County uh, for the same reason. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Well, I think we're going to wrap things up there. Um, Thank you all so much for listening. We hope everyone's doing well. You know, best of luck to the kids uh, starting school this week. And uh, we'll be back uh, next week. Take care.